From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Bigger on the Inside, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we're talking with Trenton Grayoak, designer and programmer, to discuss mega games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Live effects. Yeah. Taking D- the- to discuss what? Mega games. <laughs> um, reverb. Whoever's editing this one, just put a n- nice effect on that. Yeah. 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 Although, truthfully, you kind of did the job. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Live effects. I've yeah. got my own built-in soundboard. 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 <laughs> um, Threaten save us. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. Mega games. I have to say this is a little weird because I've listened to y'all for a few years now, and yeah. this is the first time I'm. It, it, I'm in live in person. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm noticing is is I'm used to you talking like 25 percent faster. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So that's a we little can weird. We up. Yeah. I don't think I can. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm always listening yeah. at at, one, at point twenty five yeah. speed, which is funny because I listen to the show every week that I'm not editing it. Just mm. like if I don't know for QA or some dumb reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I listen at my normal podcast speed, which is one point two five, and it's always weird because I'm used to listening to the show while editing it at normal mm-hmm. speed, yeah, and also while recording it, yeah. So it does mm-hmm. throw me every time. Like, oh right, all my podcasts are that fast. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. The other thing I'll I'll say about the intro is it, there was there was a while before I met you, Mark, that mm-hmm. I thought your name was Arthur Croy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Arthur Croy. I think if you listen to the intro with that in mind, you'll you'll hear it. Yeah, I can. I can. Uh, yeah. Yep. Nice games. feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Croy. Yep. It's like a nice alter ego you got to mm-hmm. develop now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is Arthur Croy? Just a. Uh, not like mirror universe or evil mark, just orthogonal mark. Yeah, yeah. orthogonal mark. Yeah, yeah sure. just <laughs> like like top hat mark. Other interests and activities. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, top top hat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? I don't wear one, so exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, we'll develop this more like after the show. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, so Trenton, you're a pal of ours. You're part of yeah. the local uh, Twin Cities uh, indie dev community. You're a volunteer yes. for the IDGA yeah. Twin Cities chapter, and we're all pals here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to talk to you specifically about something that you were involved in. That I think most developers, I think once they get an understanding of it, will feel a good handle on it. I'm just sort of previewing how good at this topic you're going to be. But mm-hmm. also, off the ju- off the bat, will be very confused. What is this even? Yeah, you know? and that's I think what's so interesting about this, which is mega games. Mega know? games. So I think the first thing is definition. What is a mega game? Yes, uh, a mega game is a uh, kind of a cross between a board game. Uh, and a uh, tabletop role-playing game that you play with 40 to 100 players at the same time in the same room, generally. Okay. Not all at the exact same time, but across an hour or two, right? Yeah. Uh, Across, you mean in terms of playing it? I just mean that you're not not staring down the, the, you know, every single one of your opponents at once. It's not right. one versus 39 no. to 99 people. Yeah, it, it, it would be, it's simultaneous. You're okay. all doing something, uh, you know, sometimes you're taking turns in the conversation or something, but yeah. you're, you're you're off doing things in different parts of the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I find yeah. most interesting about it is it's like, it's not just a game with more players. Mm-hmm. It's that the game is happening around you, but you are not participating in all parts of the game. At right. all things, yeah. Which is, I think, what makes it kind of unique, apart from its logistical differences yeah. mm-hmm. in the sort of scale and mechanics of it. It's just like, normally in a lot of games, you have a full, even if it's not perfect information, you have a full sense of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not so 
Definitely not. Like yeah. you, you don't have a, you pretty much, if, if you have 70 players in, in a mega game, you have one seventieth of an idea of what's <laughs> happening in the mega game. Um, and that's actually one of my favorite parts about, about a mega game is you're, you know, you're playing this for four to eight hours or something. And then you're, you're coming away with your story and, uh, a common thing in a lot of games is you you go to the to the pub or you go to somewhere to hang out after and just tell the stories uh and you you start to piece together like how all of the the different player stories are interwoven together mm-hmm. yeah uh and something that maybe didn't make sense contextually like someone else will explain like oh this is why that happened yeah you know uh, yeah mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's cool. very rpg like mm-hmm. except for at you know a table with you know four to six people you have to pretend to not be part of everyone else's mm-hmm. story. Yeah, in a lot of ways, when the party splits, or you know, the, the, you sort of have to role play not having all the information. But in this case, you it is much more immersive. You really are just you in a room. Yep. You know, engaging in your story. Yeah, you don't have to pretend to not like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> if anything, like you often try to pretend that you do know what's happening. Right. Um, especially if you're running the game, you have. I mean, you kind of have to. Be confident that you know, kind of exude a, <laughs> yeah. an air of uh, an aura of confidence that, like, yeah, I know exactly what's happening. Yeah, Everything's fine. Yeah. It kind of like what you're describing from a designer perspective seems to me kind of like, okay, I have a bunch of Mustangs in a corral. Yeah. And when we're ready to launch the game, I just open the gates and everyone goes out and mm-hmm. we just hope that everything runs yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, and, cool. and you might have a cowboy or I, I don't know how to use this analogy, like some, something to kind of guide the the mustangs yeah we're talking about horses right yeah horses okay are, yeah, horses okay i guess you could also have cows <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess Just we're cars. talking about mega games yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know anything about horses sorry okay let's say we'll come leave the analogy okay. gosh that just yep. sounds so terrifying yeah. to me that yeah. i have to run 70 people or however mm-hmm. to get them to do one task or many tasks, I guess, but mm-hmm. coordinate together like that. Yeah. That just seems. Well, there's some similarities with other sort of like big group activities. Yeah. Like paintball or laser tag mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess a question I think a lot of people have, and Dale in particular had this exact question, which is how is this different from LARPing? Yeah. Yeah. So, and depending on how you're familiar with LARPing, there's different types of LARPing. This would be closest to something like a parlor LARP where it's, you know, it's it, you're not necessarily hitting each other with, uh, foam swords or things like that. Yeah. Um, but it, there's good things about it too, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, presumably. There. Uh, I would say the biggest difference is in a LARP, you're expected to be acting as your role playing as your character mm-hmm. the entire time, right? Like you're, you know, you might occasionally, uh, you know, for safety or other reasons, like drop out of character, but you're like, you're supposed to be embodying that character. You're supposed to. Uh, th- there's a level of immersion that is kind of expected from a LARP. More theater. Um, yeah. Mm. Where I would say mega games, depending on the mega game, and, and there's kind of a, a range there, um, they tend to be a little bit more like board games in the sense that you're okay. not, uh, y- it's it's more like, like pawn stands of like, you're more thinking of them from a game perspective. And you might be, you know, I might be the, the president of, of uh, Japan or something, but I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I might have the same goals in mind. Yeah. I'm, I might have been set up with, with certain goals that, that you are playing a role in a way, but you're not, you're not trying to embody that character. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. You're not acting. 
you're not you know, like you said, Mark, you're not acting it out in a theatrical mm-hmm. sense. You're acting it out in a gameplay sense. Yep. Right. So there's still like there's still role play. There's still improv. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and it's that sort of is it a style of role playing or of tabletop role play game, right? Some people yep. really embody their characters. Other people say like my character does X or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the the default expectation for a mega game is a little bit toward the latter. Yeah, it, especially in a, in, a, in a lot of main games. It's it's interesting. So the, the one of the main games that I have designed and ran is is called Deep Haven, uh, which is a uh, it's basically Dwarf Fortress, the the mega game, right? It's like cool. It's a bunch of yeah. <laughs> that, that's basically the the inspiration, um, and it's a bunch of uh, you know these dwarven cultures and clans coming together to create a new capital of of uh, for all dwarven kind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and everything that goes with that kind of fantasy. But anyway, like they uh you're really like players it's actually kind of it's kind of weird because certain players will kind of dip into much more of a role-playing experience like they will act as a character sure um for better or worse that you know that can be really good that can also like it can the closer you get to larp the, the closer you need um more safety type things involved um that was actually something that uh, the most recent run at Gen Con, like I kind of ran into and like that that's I've kind of had to do some soul searching in, in regards to that um, because players, some players just really gravitate towards that. Yeah. And you might set up these different rules and, and Deep Haven def- definitely tends to be more more story game than a lot of other May games that tend to be more board game like. Yeah. Um, but it, it still ended up like certain players just kind of gravitate more towards that kind of heavy role playing yeah. of like this is, you know. It's not me being a jerk. It's my character, so I have to embody that, and uh, that can yeah. that can cause problems. Yeah, and so that's something that when you run it, you might want to have more of a. I mean, you probably don't have a lot of time for like, yeah, a lot of explanations or introductions. But no. you do allocate some to it, I imagine. Where it's like, listen up, everybody. Yep. But there's probably it's a balance as to how much you can really like tell people these are the behavior rules mm-hmm. because you know. Yeah, you kind of do want people to have some flexibility right. and freedom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I definitely, I, I think I I need to get better at that based on the last the last run. Like, there's yeah. certain things that I I'm me as a as a uh, not only a designer of main games but also just like a running of them. Like, I need there's things that I I am not an expert on by any means. Mm. Um, but anyway, so that like. There's a lot of interesting challenges that come with yeah. designing and, and running mega games. Um, you know that that's one of of many. Uh, I don't know what what do we what do we want to make a game? Or it's a big topic. It's a well, large. I think topic. The, the you know how is it different from LARPing is one side yeah. of this question. The other side of this question is how is this different from Model UN? Yes. Is yeah. it is it really just because that flexibility that it, that it, to be in the middle mm-hmm. of those sorts of things, or is it like you said? Sometimes it's closer to you know a, a, a tabletop role playing game with lots of improv and lots yeah. of character stuff and other times it's just pure strategy mm-hmm. you know uh you know taking lots of notes and and, and doing model <laughs> un yep. right yeah absolutely and, and model un is actually a lot of people when they define uh what a mega game is they'll mention model un because it has some similarities um one of the probably actually the most popular mega game that's been run is a game called watch the skies uh which is basically uh it, it tends to be modern day aliens have showed up um and there's an initial period where you know it's kept under wraps um and then depending on you know what the the control team is actually planning on like 
they might be hostile. Oftentimes, it's a it's actually a separate player team that's kind of behind a curtain or something that is they are actually being the the alien team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're hostile. Sometimes they have you know there was one that I think they were collecting specimens for a universal zoo kind of thing and mm-hmm. things that that's that are kind of at odds. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so so and, and that actually just just to back up a little bit. Um, so mega games have actually existed since the seventies uh, in the UK, and actually oh. that that's kind of where they were birthed is is hmm. in the UK. Hmm. Um, and I, I think the first official one that they mega game makers is kind of the the main one out there. Although there's a bunch now. Um, I think it was nineteen eighty or nineteen eighty one or something was the the first like large enough to call, be called a mega game, mm-hmm. and it actually came from more of a wargaming uh, background of of which war games are basically just they're kind of like hardcore board game, almost almost simulation esque like yeah. games, um, and they started like that. Like I think the the first one was like a Vietnam war game. Mm-hmm. I forget I forget the name, but uh, and th- it kind of just stayed there for a long time. Um, and there's been other mega game like things that have kind of, um, evolved in other areas, uh, just kind of unrelated. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, shut up and sit down, which is a, a board game, um, review, uh, site that is great. Um, they did a, a, a video called, uh, shut up and sit down plays a goddamn mega game. And it's, <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. It, single-handedly created this big <laughs> push <laughs> to play mega games all over the world. Okay. Um, and that's definitely the, when I saw that video, it just kind of, it blew my mind. And like, I, you know, I was in Arizona at the time, which is not the greatest for having those types of games there. And so it, it took, it took me another, I think two or three years or something to where I could actually play in a mega game. Oh, but wow. I was like, it was something I thought about a lot and just like, I wanted to do this so bad. And, mm-hmm. Um, the first one ended up being actually here, which was a Watch the Skies um, back in, I think, 2017 or something like that. Um, and yeah, it, it it was everything I, I hoped. It, like I could see, I could immediately see all the flaws and all the things, you know, I'm a designer. Like I could see how I would want to improve everything. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it was still like the best, you know, six hours that <laughs> that I had experienced in in a game. Um, cool. and it still, you know, it still has some of my, my favorite moments, uh, they come from playing or, or running mega games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love them. So <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> so I guess the, the, the next thing to ask you is mm-hmm. like, how do you get one of these on its feet? Yeah. Like, how do you find a venue? How do you let people know it's happening? Yep. Cause yep. It's, it takes more, you can't just call friends around mm-hmm. the table. You, there's more to it. Yeah. Uh, I would say like, if you're, it, if you want to do it, you should just do it. I mean, it's a lot of work, but um, if you can make it, so so most of the games that I've been involved with are, are at Gen Con, mm-hmm. um, which is tends to be in August in, in Indianapolis, um, which is a huge board game convention. Uh, and the the group I'm a part of is Mega Game Coalition, and, and we just, it's a bunch of different mega game groups that kind of come together and, um, you know, run these mega games there. Um, that's that's definitely the best place in the U.S. that you could experience them. Hmm. Uh, you know, conventions are a little weird that, you know, they're not quite the same as, uh, you know, a more local game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the bigger cities have, have definitely had groups that have kind of come and gone. And um, we're kind of 
we're, you know, obviously COVID is, uh, if you, if you think about the worst possible thing you could do during COVID would be to get, you know, 70 people yeah. in the same room yeah. together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so it kind of that aggressively <laughs> mingling with each other <laughs> yes. uh, right. so that every yeah. single connection can be made. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, geez. uh, yeah, not a, it, it kind of, it, it, although it did birth kind of a, a more of an online type of mega game that okay. I, you know, not really i'm not really passionate about that but there's there's people that that do really like that um and so it's we're kind of we kind of had to hit the restart button um and so this gen con a few months ago uh i ran deep haven and helped to run a a few other mega games there and um i mean we we sold out in like 10 seconds like when the tickets went up and like we're gonna we're going to go way, way bigger next year and like we're probably gonna sell out again like there's such a demand for the game because you can't it's it's hard to get enough people together to actually experience it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and yeah, so I, I think it's, I think we are going to begin to like see it m- take off more um, again. Cause it, we, I mean, we were growing year over year before that, before COVID. So, and, and, and for me, like, you know, some people, there are, there have been people that have tried to treat it more as like a business. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try to make this a thing. I'm going to try to make, you know enough mega games to live on and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. with limited success like they they tend to be end up doing more for like corporate events and things yeah. like that yeah um oh, man i didn't even consider yeah. like money yeah <laughs> well, it, it, right yeah <laughs> exactly it, which you know <laughs> i treat it as a hobby i you know i uh, yeah we, we don't have to go too much into that mm. but but it's um there are you know some opportunities if you think about like in the military they do these big sim like you know simulations and training and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um it's funny there's a lot of crossover there mm-hmm. with you know if you get enough people you know doing the same thing in a room or or connected like you see a lot of the same uh emergent you know things happening mm-hmm. oh. yeah, yeah. uh it, you know it, I, I think it's jim wallman which is a big mega game guy i think he he says like you could you could take, you know, 50 people, throw them in a room and just give them Monopoly money and let them go wild and they would probably create a mega game on the fly and just, you know, like there's just yeah. something about like yeah. getting people in there that have the similar kind of uh, idea in their head of like what Monopoly money might <laughs> mean that they'll just, you know, it'll happen. It'll probably be a terrible game, but it, you know, it. Yeah, yeah. There'll be some emergent like, goal like n- not necessarily like who gets the most money mm-hmm. it'll be like who has the most green bills or yeah. <laughs> right right there'll be some kind of thing that'll mm-hmm. that'll evolve with yeah. the group yeah mm-hmm. yeah are we nice game jamming a, a, a monopoly money game <laughs> literally game? thinking about that right now <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know we that would be a good thing for us to have you back sometime mm-hmm. for a nice That'd game be jam. fun yeah we'll put together a mega game yeah yeah totally um because and we'll get into the design questions mm-hmm. a little later in the episode um, but I think the getting it going and running it is such as a hobby, as mm-hmm. you describe it, but even as like sort of a semi-professional kind of operation, mm-hmm. which is what they have to be at a big convention, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need mm-hmm. so much logistics, so much things that are not fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then, but when it comes to the moment of truth, the game starts, mm-hmm. folks have shown up. Maybe half of them don't know anything about what they're doing. Oh, I, I would say uh, even if you send out everything beforehand, yeah, I would. Ass- I always assume that at least ninety percent of the people have no idea what yeah. what's happening. Mm. And that, um, and that I'm not like disappointed. They... <laughs> you know, like that's pretty. <laughs> 
that seems like it's a quality of the fact that these things are run at conventions and they're mm-hmm. novelties for a lot of participants, yeah. right? If you were to say try to get like a monthly game going at like a local venue mm-hmm. with regulars, it would probably be a totally different experience. Yeah, and, and right. definitely like in the the spots like the, the UK I mentioned like has a huge like they have a bunch of groups and you know because they can drive you know a couple hours to to the other side of the UK like yeah 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 you know there's those there's tons of games like they there's one group there of very large huge games or something like that that <laughs> they do a fairly regular like 200 person one which is i that's insane to me um but yeah uh so you definitely yeah and, and that you get enough savvy people that kind of have have played these games before that you could probably get away with a lot more like a you know they do a lot of new designs there um and i think they can kind of get away with that because you know, if you get a bunch of pe- experienced mega games or inners or in a room again, like they'll they'll make their own fun in a way. Right. There's uh, vocabulary yeah. there to help mm-hmm. them do yep. that faster. Right. 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 They're <laughs> starting on like the second or third level of the building, not on the ground floor. Yes. Fewer stairs to climb. Mm-hmm. I'm really about the analogies today. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Fewer like stairs one. to get the Mustangs up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that. Oh, you mm. had it. <laughs> mm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the first thing is, uh, I show up to one of these. Yeah. It seems seems like a cool thing to try. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you teach me how to play? Uh, well, the, so I'm not doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the generally you see like between for every every like six to ten players, you have a. Um, uh, either uh, some people call them control or umpires or mo- like I usually hmm. use moderators or GMs or something. <laughs> There's too many terms um, for the same thing. Uh, and so you'll you'll usually be on a, a team. Like most of these have different teams or something, whether it's it's not necessarily competitive, but it's so so watch the skies is like one of the, the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Those are your different nations. Sometimes you have corporations that are a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're on a, a team like you might know the players already you might be you know totally new and and but because you're on a team you can kind of help each other out a lot um you'll usually have a, a moderator that checks in and either teaches you the rules or um sometimes at the beginning of the game like the the lead moderator will go through and explain all the main systems or something yeah uh yeah i, I it kind of depends on the on the game and actually like <laughs> for especially new games so my first run of of deep haven back in 2019 um i the rollout of it was really rough it was the first time running it mm-hmm. um and i i mean i learned so much just in the first hour mm-hmm. of like you know what not to do <laughs> and, and yeah. the things that i should have done yeah um and and then it you know it, it kind of comes down to like training your moderators beforehand so that they feel comfortable right um because you're you're very much reliant like on like for for deep haven like i and any any kind of lead moderator thing like you know a little bit of what's happening but ultimately you're just kind of trusting your moderators to communicate with you and you're kind of like you're running around just trying to fight the fires that are happening and and, um hopefully they're fun you know fires part of the game but (laughs) sometimes they're not you know uh yeah and, and so that actually reminded me of something that it's interesting is like it's really hard to play test a mega game yeah yeah you know how do you play test a mega game when it's that many players mm-hmm. and depending on you know there tends to be a lot of uh it's not it's not usually one game that a mega game is right it's it tends to be um a kind of a, a several 
littler games within it. Okay. Um, especially some some more board game type mega games, they actually they will straight up be like just smaller board games kind of within uh you know that different players will go to and do and then yeah. that will kind of affect other other smaller games um i think that that can be good it can also tend to be like well now you have to not only do you have to make one good game you have to make a bunch of good games that are going to entertain people enough yeah. um but yeah i forget where i was going with that but like you you can you can play test smaller parts you know you can mm-hmm. certain mechanics and yeah, things yeah i was going to say i imagine that like if you wanted to play test it you get just mm-hmm. 15 people or something and yeah. maybe maybe make which is hard enough getting three people to play a game yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be it might be easy for you you know you're just like oh my 15 friends come on no but but sometimes it's hard to get that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well you also don't know where where does the dynamic change where it becomes a large mm-hmm. group and how much mm-hmm. do you still have to imagine mm-hmm. the, the gap yeah like if you're designing a game for 70 people yep. and you can round up 20 people mm-hmm. you might actually have just as easy a time testing it with five people yeah. Yeah. Um, because maybe you need fifty-five people to like reach this the actual mm-hmm. experience. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then on some games, it might be that there you can just kind of maybe just get one or two people and kind of like write down what everyone else does on cards or something, and it would and it and it's a that works. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be specific to the game. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah, it. it <laughs> and I think part of that comes from just you have to play you know, play a bunch of mega games to yeah. kind of even get a sense of like the things that work and the things that don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it It's, I don't think I'm necessarily good at it. Um, I mean, it helps a little bit that I have more of a game development background and I could kind of see the things that, that, you know, definitely like I've, I've played or, or helped run some mega games that I would consider like not good (laughs) very much not good yeah 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 well to be good at something you need to practice it a lot Mm -hmm. and to have good practice you need a feedback loop yep and if you're only you know chance for a good feedback loop where you're actually launching the thing as Mm -hmm. design and getting players at the scale that you need and then completing the whole experience it takes Mm -hmm. six to eight hours if you're only getting that a couple times a year yeah it takes a long time to really become an expert at it right absolutely Um, so that totally makes sense um yeah, you've chosen a hard hobby. <laughs> oh, it yeah. I mean, that might be why it's interesting. Is like a third. I learned something. I learned so much every. Yeah. Right. Every. It, it'll never be. You can never master it. So yeah. It's kind of fun. <laughs> never stale. Right. Because you yeah. get to keep learning new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, like that. That limitation, like, probably has two big restrictions on it as a genre. One is the it, it limits its ability to be sort of professionalized. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like people who design it w- would have a hard time gathering the knowledge they need to be professional do it professionally yeah mm-hmm. um and all of the other logistics things about running it frequently right unless you rent out a space at the mall and somehow got people to show up every night Ooh. yeah like you know <laughs> but you know it's it, there's a higher ask than a laser tech game right mm-hmm. so yeah. that's not a great business idea um but unless you could do that you would not be able to generate the 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 data you need to professionalize the field mm-hmm. but also i would guess because of that when you are designing a game like uh, a mega game you fall back on some existing and proven mechanics and Definitely. maybe are a little bit more frightened to to try new things because mm-hmm. you got one shot at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or or you're like me and you just you have a certain uh, amount of hubris that thinks you know you can you can just add something totally yeah. new and it'll right, it might be fine. completely the other way which yeah. is like <laughs> I'll either try the things that totally work yeah. that everyone has done mm-hmm. or and then just like one step past that is the wild west. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing in between. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it might actually be kind of 
freeing is like well whatever yeah i mean it, it is and like at, at my best moments i i have that mindset of like i don't know what's gonna happen and it's okay you know yeah. people are there to have fun mm-hmm. um i don't always have that mindset especially when the game is is being run at the at the moment then i can you know struggle of like <laughs> if i see someone not having the most amazing time ever yeah i'm gonna take that personally and be like oh my god i i have failed them, sure. you know, like, oh it, especially yeah. running at a convention where like, convention games are weird because they, you know, there's so many other things that are competing for their time. Yeah. And yeah. maybe they were up really late the night before and they're super tired and they're just not feeling it at yeah. the moment. Um, and with convention games, like every convention game I've ever seen, there's a certain amount of people that, you know, they walk out eventually yeah. just because mm-hmm. like, that's like, even the best best run of something, you'll still have some people that do that. It just wasn't the right fit for them. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that should be fine. Um, I can logically see that as being expected and, and okay. But to see it happen mm. yeah. when it's your game yeah. or even just a game that you're running, like that can be difficult. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I totally get that. I, and yeah. I, I am imagining just like at the scale that you have, there's seven mm-hmm. people. Like you said, it's an inevitability that somebody is going yeah. to just not be into it. Whereas like if I'm playtesting a game, even you know, Fingence was just four players, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody might get bored and be like, I don't want to play anymore. And then they would leave. Yeah. Maybe I would take that personally, but because the other three players are like having a good time or something, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can rationalize it better, but when you're, that's know, good. That seems healthy. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, because of the scale, it feels like everybody should be able to find their fun. Mm hmm. As a person who has only played like one or two mega games, this mm-hmm. is how I'm imagining it. It's like you, I feel like everybody should be able to find their fun. And then if one person does not, then it's like the entire, there's nothing in the game that didn't work for them. Then mm-hmm. I would, I would feel <laughs> that would be hard. Yeah. Well, you're making it even more difficult I'm now. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> With that many people, you're really into the what do we owe to each other yeah. kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Because you, they're like, okay, I'm having a good time, but in these, but like, if it's actually, this is kind of frustrating. Well, I'm also in here. As, as a cog in the machine of this so that everybody has a good time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like keep at it, keep it right. going. Cause there's some fun for me later on, but, and you know, not everyone is like up for that. Like, yeah. They, yeah. They're not, they didn't come to play a game or they came to play a game. They didn't come to do any emotional labor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how do you deal with folks who come in with different attitudes? Yeah. yeah. Folks who's like, like I, I'm going to be like, I'm a rule follower. I want to like learn about this, or maybe I'm a, you know, a, a potential designer. I want to see how this goes. And so nothing will, will kick me off the interest train. And other people who are just like, you know what? I just filled my schedule. It looks cool, but like it better hold my attention. Otherwise it's early dinner for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you balance that? How do you recognize those people? Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that I like to do is it like it, again, it comes back to like training your moderators and making sure that they are recognizing that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, some of the times where some you know bad thing bad experiences happen, um, it's usually because a moderator hit. You know, they they have a lot going on and they missed it. Um, and you can't really blame the person for that, but it's sort of like that's tends to be when those things happen mm-hmm. um and it, you know it's hard it, it's it's hard to you, you try to you kind of just try to do your best and you you hope that you know players are gonna help out you know when they see you know good players will see that another player struggling or something and they'll they'll help them out and and there's i mean there's for every bad experience there's you know a hundred experiences that that happens, right? right? Because it is just that's what I was trying to yeah. say. But <laughs> I yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and like, I, so much of it is people are going to be people, and mm-hmm. when you 
the more people you add to the mix, the more of those things that are they're going to be. But all of the good things, there's more of those too. And yeah. some of the stories and some of the like, you know, camaraderie that you see, like I, I've never seen that in any other type of game is like right, the, yeah. the, you know, you, you could be playing with a, a player and, you know, three hours later when the game is over, like you've gone on this whole journey with them that, and you never would have done that in any other game, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's such a, there, there's so much of it that, that that experience you just can't capture. Um, yeah, I, 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 so I sent some of the, some of the pictures and video, like maybe we can put that up on just so people yeah. can kind of see yeah. uh, some of these, but, uh, so, so one of the, one of my favorite things w- about mega games are, are again, the, the stories that afterwards, um, and, uh, one of the things that I like to design in, in a mega game is, is the idea of like these artifacts that survive past the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. And, and so one of the main aspects of Deep Haven is this large map um, that is, it's kind of on a vertical whiteboard, um, sort of ant farm style. Like you can see like a slight vertical slice of, of Deep Haven, um, you know, as they delve deeper, they're discovering things and building new buildings and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, and there's a there's a cartographer guild that a bunch of players that they're in charge. Like I don't, none of the moderators touch that, mm. right? That That is entirely a player thing. Yeah. You know, we, we can help guide them and, it, and there's mechanics in place that, you know, of kind of some of their responsibilities of like what to add and stuff. But otherwise it's, it's entirely up to the players on what they think is important to add. And, you know, uh, you know, that you'll, you'll see that. And those are my favorite pictures is like being able to look at that after and just see like, and and I won't, I'll know like 5% of what's on that map. You know, it's not like I'm doing nothing. I'm like doing things the entire time, rapid pace the entire time. Right, right. And I still only know like 5% of what that map is because there's just so much, yeah. so, much so many happening. of these parallel stories that are happening. Um, but every single player will will be able to point to that after and they'll they'll know 5% of it, potentially some players probably more, but they'll they'll be able to point to that and, and give context and, and that like it. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the. Um, I mean, it's sort of an appeal to like legacy board games and mm-hmm. other kinds of things is having that that being able to walk away with more than a story, mm-hmm. but being tied, being whatever it is, being really tied to that story. Yeah, um, that's a really cool thing, and I suspect that's not something all mega games manage. Right? Yeah, I, I, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the good ones though, like that they'll, at the very least, they'll you'll always come away with stories and stuff. But but mm-hmm. but the idea of like a either just pictures that that tell some of the story or yeah i don't i like uh, there's one uh main game that we ran called lights in the sky which is actually a watch the skies kind of spinoff um we ran it at shucks in 2019 and my friend jed he uh him and i were helping with it and he connected so it was a cold war era uh but aliens were coming you know you gotta have some kind of of course fun thing there <laughs> um and he set up two red phones they were connected oh for on the cross the other side of the room. Nice. Oh. So yeah. So you know the USSR and and the US president. You know they could pick up the phone and. That's um, wild. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. It was like the coolest thing ever. And it, like I am not at all into historical type mega games, but boy, do I want to design one just to have that aspect <laughs> yeah. of it. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, he he also recorded 
those. And so you could oh, listen to, oh, that's cool. yeah, you could listen to these players doing it. And it's just, I don't know. It's the coolest yeah. thing. I, like I, I put one in the, in the folder there. Maybe we could post it, but yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's just fun to, cause you can tell that they're just having the best time. And yeah. 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 Okay. So Trenton has been talking to us about mega games, yes. which often take place at conventions. Yes. And some conventions are about, Tabletop games. Uh-huh. And we made one of those. We did. It's called Glom. 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 There it is. It's been a while. That's why I, now I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Tell us about Glom, Melon. Well, you know all about it, Stephen, but I'll tell all our listeners about Glom. Yeah. They probably She's not entertaining your fiction. No. For this scenario. <laughs> okay. Shut down. This is what happens when you make me do the blur. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tyrant's, like, Rampage. So yep. the, anyway, uh. Bluer, okay, so Bluer is what we're doing. Glom is the game, and Glom is a game of riotously rewording remarks um, or something like that. And basically what you do is you get a sentence or a phrase that's common like, I want a cheeseburger, and you have to rephrase it using rules that are also different cards. So you have to say, I want a cheeseburger, but you can't use any E's. Um, you also can't use any of the words that were in the original phrase, and so yeah. this creates some pretty zany challenges. That you yeah, have. that seems kind of restrained. Like, why? What, what would be my motivation to even bother with that? Mm. Fun. Yeah? It's fun. There's also a gold card, Ellen. <laughs> so, yeah, a gold card. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. That's what I, that's what I, I Yeah, I picked up on that. <laughs> so, like, the most S's. Uh-huh. No yeah. E's, most S's. Mm-hmm. I'm just pulling them out of my head, but there's, like, yeah. a whole deck you can pull from yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, and again, it's fun. That's why you play the game. Right. So, okay. Um, interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, zany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zany. Um, and above all, fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I do with this information now that I have it? Go to nicegames.club slash glom. G-L-O-M. M as in mud. Okay, I've done that. Okay. Uh, is there a step two or? It'll have links with places where you can go get it. You can go buy glom and Ooh. get it shipped to your house where you can play it with your friends, family, and other entities. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Do that then. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's something really interesting. So the scale that you're talking about in terms of the number of players reminds me a little bit of like raids in an MMO, right? Mm-hmm. Like Oh, definitely. So now like... I think World of Warcraft, the raid size for the top, like the biggest ones is like 25. But when it first came out, it was 40. 40. people, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Core, that was me. <laughs> College. So, so grindy though, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. that's a really, so the amount of coordination you need to have between 40 people to do a raid in an MMO is pretty high. And you actually have to keep practicing it. Definitely. And keep practicing it in order to be able to do the more difficult encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really different because like you said, 90% of the people who are showing up haven't read anything and they don't know what they're doing. Yep. So everyone's learning it together and it really does feed into that kind of story that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like the, the, the scale and the, and the amount of coordination on top of that. <laughs> There's like a really interesting like tension there from a design perspective, which is 
simultaneously super interesting and very scary. Yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> so like, where do you, how do you, how do you design one? Where do you, yeah. what? <laughs> uh, well, I mentioned hubris before. <laughs> right, like, okay. That's, yeah, that helps. Uh, I, again, I, I think it, it helps to experience them and, and or, yeah. or look at some of the other designs just, yeah. Um, and then, you know, set out to maybe do a similar kind of thing and then yeah. maybe you'll end up changing everything and well, it'll be its own thing. Let's pull but... back and talk about like, what are the core components? Yeah. And, yeah, and we idea. can be cliche in the genre mm -hmm. if you want. Like, obviously, they're not all going to work this way. Yeah. And the ones that are aiming to be innovative are going to break some of these rules. Mm -hmm. But like, from from scratch, what does a mega game need? What do you think it does, but obviously doesn't? Yeah, you get into it. What are the what are the pieces? Yeah, so so we'll let's use Watch the Skies as an example, just because that's mm -hmm. that I, I like to describe it as the D and D of of yeah <laughs> role playing <laughs> games for uh, better and worse. Um, Watch the Skies is a again, it's a kind of tends to be modern day or near future with aliens invading. Um, there are different nation teams within that team. You usually have uh, you know a head of state and then maybe a, a, a secretary of state that kind of coordinates between different groups um you have uh oftentimes you'll have like a head scientist and they'll go off in a room and do some sort of science mini game or science yeah uh i think one of them was like a you basically have to like um invent things and like present it to the other scientists and then they they vote on giving you a Noble award, or I don't know, some uh, like some kind of like some grant money. So is, yeah, is <laughs> a, well, I'm just thinking of it as like <laughs> archetypes or, or player roles. Yes. Is, is that a way to you have your teams, mm -hmm. but then you have your roles on each team, and then those interact. So there's a way to sort of cross pollinate yep. the player bases, right? To get all 70 people interacting on more than one just one dimension. Uh, yep. Is that like vital to all these games? Um, I would say that it, that is a very common aspect, and that's actually a, kind of an easy way to to do exactly what we're talking about. Like you, you're usually doing your role for maybe half of a turn, like 15 minutes or something, and then coming back and, and coordinating with your team and, and updating them. Um, that's kind of a, it's a very popular approach to, to doing that. Um, some of the other examples from Watch the Skies would be you'd have like a UN player that goes to the UN and they are basically playing model UN. Um, and, you know, if it's, ideally they're, they're, debating and talking about things relevant to the rest of the game right sometimes that doesn't happen and and uh one of the one of the challenges uh is something i i like to think of as like a time warp of like you have different time scales happening hmm. within the game oh yeah um if you think about like it you know you go off into the un room mm -hmm. and you're you're talking you're having a conversation with people you're you know you're debating and you kind of you end up with a lot of the same like you know, parliamentary procedure or or techniques or things to that you're incentivized to use like filibustering, things things like that that all kind of exist at a at a very specific rate of yeah. like hmm. how you know uh, how fast people can talk basically. Right. right. Whereas like yeah. on the other side like of the room, you have the the war map and somebody moves a pawn into another territory and it takes them ten seconds right. to decide to do that and do that. And that represents an entire, you know, weeks worth of logistics and and then this huge epic battle or something, right? Yeah. And that took 10 seconds. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Like it it those are very different timescales. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you how do you keep one relevant to the other? Yeah. Cause uh, the story all has to hang together. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, this one group is going, 
you know, two weeks every 10 seconds mm -hmm. and another group is going at basically talking speed. Yep. Well, I'm guessing one. this is where you mentioned turns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, ima I imagine there are like, you know, signposts where people need to like reset for the next batch or whatever. So there's probably some groups maybe waiting around for the next turn and some people who are rushing to get their yeah. things done. Yeah. Is, is that a moderating mechanic uh, for, uh, for that kind of thing? Definitely. Yeah. And, mm. and I think I would say most May games like, well, I wouldn't say that. A lot of main games, you're never going to be waiting around for anything. Like you're always going to be <laughs> like, okay. they they tend to be a little bit more chaotic. Um, although there's some that that do have. I actually think for pacing wise, like you do want some of those downtimes. Mm -hmm. um, although, like I've done dinner or lunch breaks during a game, and you'll still pe have people like talking to other teams <laughs> at lunch. Like there's yeah, no yeah, way yeah. to turn certain players off for a little while for yeah. them to have a break. Like yeah. they'll just keep playing. Well, any any vacuum is filled with table talk right? <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so you kind of yeah there's almost no way to be mm -hmm. totally bored yeah or have nothing to do you could always yeah. strategize yeah. yep yep but you're right having it having a, a turn structure that you know forces you to go back and coordinate with your team give you a little bit of time um to do that uh sometimes there's certain logistical things that you have to take care of during that um oh one thing that i have been meaning to mention uh there are you know very a lot of many games you have like a media team Oh. Um, which, you know, sometimes there'll be moderators. I always make them players because mm -hmm. I've, I've played as a, as a news reporter before and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, you're just this fake news person that gets to go around and, and not fake news like that, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. Yeah. you're, yeah. you get to pretend and you get to interview people and you get to do all of these things. And, um, that's cool. You get to archive the game. Yes. Yeah. And oh, that's, that's the other fantastic. thing. <laughs> that's the reason that Deep Haven, a game about, a fantasy game about dwarves, you know, delving too deeply. That's why there's basically news. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the ink beards, <laughs> right? It's the chroniclers. It's like it's more fictional, you know, fictionally uh, wrapped around that. But mm -hmm. ultimately, they are their news, right? Right. Like they're, right. they're cataloging things, and mm -hmm. um, we have a software that uh, Jed and I made that. Um, they basically the the new the ink beards are typing in headlines mm -hmm. and they appear on the projector. Wow, and yeah. Yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it actually it actually it it really closes a lot of loops of yeah. um, when you're a player and you're doing things and you're not really sure if people even know about what's happening and then you see something that you were involved in on the on the projector. And there's that moment, like that's such a powerful moment for them. Yeah, yeah. Right, you feel like, like you're actually involved in the game. Yes, yeah. 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 You, know, you only see your influence yep. in the little local group of three mm -hmm. people you're talking to. Yep, that's yep. cool. Yeah, so that that's one of my favorite parts huh. is like having that, and then you, that's another artifact thing too. You can right. after the game, you can go back and see all these headlines and kind of, yeah. you know, you don't you don't know what all of them do, but they do they do kind of have a narrative to them, or they have some of the big vents. That's such a cool. I mean, you you touched on this earlier, but I think it finally clicked for me. Um, and that is when you have good good archives of the game, mm -hmm. then there's also this additional. You, you mentioned people go go to the bar afterwards and they're talking about what happened. Yeah. And if you have good archives, and basically you played your little part of the game and you saw the kind of big arc of the game unfold, but then you can go back as a player and mm -hmm. pick through all the stuff that was, you know, um, you know, like recorded yep. and piece the bigger, like piece the smaller yeah, pieces. You can see what really happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> When's the next one? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, 
<laughs> so that so that that sort of reported like I mean you had to essentially like modify CNN to work <laughs> in your dwarf game yes. because of how important that mechanic yes. is wow. to this genre mm-hmm. and how worth it it really is. Mm-hmm. So um I I mean what 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 else is on that list like what are the what are the sort of like moment to moment are there dice are there cards mm-hmm. are there games of chance is there bluffing what mm-hmm. are the mecha- or or is that kind of like the interactions between players is that a little bit more free flowing from game to game uh, I think there's all of those things and more. I mean, it's pretty much the same design space that a lot of board games and, and role playing games mm-hmm. uh, inhabit. Like they're and, and different games will do heavier. Uh, you know, Deep Haven tends to be more on the story game side of like there are mechanics that support everything, but um, it's definitely way more free form than a lot of uh, games that are v- more about like a bunch of board games or, or a yeah. large board game hmm. or or um, although even those like tend to be there's always a freeform aspect to it because a bunch of players are involved and they'll they'll have their own reasons for doing things and um you'll have a team of moderators that is reacting to them and and trying to um you know if somebody comes up with a so an example i like to use is uh in a game of watch the skies a, a player came over to me and was like i want to i want to miniaturize a nuke and sneak it into uh, our diplomat's pocket so that then when they travel up to the space station, we can blow up the space station. Did you talk to your diplomat about this? (laughs) Yeah. And like, as a moderator, you hear that, it's like, oh yeah, let me just page through the rule book and see where, you know, what what do you do in that? Like, what what is the rule that the designer... No, that doesn't exist, right? Like, like, these things don't... They're not foreseen. And and you just kind of have to... Ideally, the game has mechanics that the moderators can fall back to and at least utilize, but you're never going to have everything accounted for in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's a real GM task. Yeah. Yep. So the question then arises from that is you have a group of moderators, mm-hmm. you know, half a dozen or more. Like, uh, are they empowered to make those changes? When do they have to go to the council? Yes. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> Someone wants to miniaturize a nuke. Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> like, a flag on the plane. I want to. I want to <laughs> let them do it, but like, it would be a big thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 And ideally, when you design a mini game, you have moments where there's enough time, like team time or something, where the moderator can go back and meet with everyone else, and and you can kind of have those communication channels yeah. open um, for those big moments. Um, ultimately, though, like you kind of have to you have to trust your moderators to make good decisions and Uh, Mm -hmm. you know they they don't always make ones that you agree with (laughs) but you you kind of got to back them up or or deal with it Mm -hmm. uh one of the the other big thing big set piece in deep haven is i i have a giant jenga tower uh which you know mark and dale brought down to gen con this year for me thank you (laughs) Ah, um Uh, and it's that re- fit in our car and it didn't even fall over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> uh, that, that represents, uh, the, you know, the, the dwarves delving deep within, within the mountain. And yeah. when it falls, you know, they've delved too deeply mm, and yeah. awoken a, a Balrog or some kind of some big nasty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that abstraction. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's a very video game idea. Yeah. yeah. In, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I stole it directly from a game called Dread, which is a. Which is amazing. Yeah. It yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you should look at Dread. It, it actually, you know what it is. It's Jenga, except a story game where if you want to do something, you pull a block. Yeah. 
if the tower falls, you die. That's the game. <laughs> yep. it, okay. it tends to be more horror. Like, yeah. yeah. Sure. Instead of rolling a d20, you pull a block. Yep. <laughs> and if you pull a block on a giant Jenga tower, you also run the risk yeah. of making it all fall on your foot. Yes. <laughs> it does get scary after <laughs> a, a little, little while scary. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and that that's the scale at which you have a room full of 50, mm-hmm. 70 people. That's the scale you need mm-hmm. to deliver that, to yeah. make that feeling mm-hmm. in the room real. Yes. Oh, and right. then when it falls over, it probably makes a big noise and everyone goes, oh. Yep. Yeah. It's like, oh, I missed What does it. that mean? Or, you know, like, yes. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, you're getting that. That's exactly why I want. Yeah. It, yeah. You do it. In, in cool. the 2019 run, we were in Lucas Oil Stadium at Gen Con because they do a bunch of games there. Yeah. And when the tower would fall there, the entire stadium <laughs> yeah. would hear it because it's not only loud, but then you have 70 players and 10 moderators all going like, oh, you know? <laughs> and so everyone would, would turn to center field and see, you know, all these crazy people playing this weird game. Um, and that's a great moment, too. That's cool. Uh, I forget why I even brought that up, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a point there. We're probably. talking about mechanics and yeah. abstraction. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a follow-up question for that. It kind yes. of Yes. So, you know, we talked about the, like the CNN ticker mm-hmm. or the the I don't remember like ink beards you mm-hmm. talked to. That's such a great idea. And I I'm imagining them to like dipping their beard in yeah. ink. Anyway, um and then you have like the sound of the Jenga to- tower falling. These are mm-hmm. ways for information to get broadcast across the entire game. Yep. Um group of players. But like when we're talking about inter- group interdependencies, if you think about the mega game as being um, something that can be divided into smaller groups that are each playing a kind of like a sub game, mm-hmm. how and when, like, at what moments is information getting conveyed between the groups? Yeah. And, and maybe if you could give an example, that might help. Yeah. Uh, Deep Haven is kind of its own beast. It, like there's a bunch of guilds that you're doing a whole bunch of different things, but something a little bit more grounded would be like with Watch the Skies with yeah. the different, uh, you know, roles that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of those roles would be the, the war map, you know, you, you have your general that goes and, and deals with, with that. Mm. Um, and depending on how the, the scientist is doing and your, your tech level or something, um, Watch the Skies kind of has some, uh, influence of, from XCOM. Okay. Um, okay. In some ways, and depending on how good your scientists have been doing, you you might have different tech level. You've uncovered certain alien tech, and now your troops are better. Um, and whether you want to use them on, you know, a uh, another team or some another nation is going to involve the UN and what they've been able to to figure out, and and um, and then your. Uh, what are some of the other roles? Like your head of state is obviously going to have <laughs> opinions about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have uh, somebody that, God, I'm forgetting a role, but I can't remember now. Um, so they all kind of like coexist and they they affect each other. Okay. And um, generally the turn structure is is such that you have some time to come together and be like, okay, like here's what we need to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so-and-so has invaded this area to get, uh, to uncover the UFO crash site mm-hmm. and we need to get that too. So UN person, like you need to go in and talk to that person at the UN and like try to come to terms with like, we need that tech also. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, we're going to send in the troops or something like that. Okay. Interesting. So they all kind of a good may and they'll all kind of interconnect and, and feed off of each other. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. You want, you want the first domino to fall. That mm-hmm. have all been set up by players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, are there periods of time when like the moderators come in and like create events to increase incitement or excitement yeah. of the game and things um, like that? Like you would in like a <clears throat> game, I suppose. 
That's like a model UN thing too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. I would say that ideally no, uh, okay. but it they definitely games do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the best things are uh, like with, with, with Deep Haven, when the tower falls, like, you know, I need to come up with like what that means right. and what the big effect. And, and I do have ideas, but the best ideas are generated from what has been happening with players that you can, you know, take the the more uh important things and and, and build on them mm-hmm. you know make certain things worse or or make them a bigger deal um because that just that utilizes things that players already care about to make them care even more yeah versus like my ideas like bringing in there like they're totally separate and they like if i prep a bunch of stuff i mean it's my same with like role-playing games like i tend to be no prep or, or very little prep prep because i like that being a collaborative thing mm-hmm. um that comes about at the table or or during the game um and in fact like that's a lot of un or, or council games that is a problem that i have with a lot of them is they they tend to have if a game if a council game has to exist uh and be fun because you've created a bunch of content for it yeah. i feel like that content like it can't have anything to do with the rest of the game because you've prepped it and you don't know what's happening with the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and that, that tends to be a, you know, a code smell or whatever you want to, like, it's kind of a, mm. a, a thing that it's like, okay, there's probably other ways that you, sh- you could do that. There should already be cr- enough crises in the game that they're dealing with that you shouldn't have to come to the table with a bunch of stuff. Sure. Although, you know, at, there are times when maybe a certain game might need that, but yeah. Right. And is that, I guess, I imagine some games are designed where that's just part of at, minute 55 this happens or something and or it's like if conditions are such that mm-hmm. then we'll throw this thing into the mix yeah right yeah and and when i've seen uh groups do that try to do that it feels like it never works how they envision hmm. um like i'm i'm not the first like deep haven is not the first mega game that has used jenga towers yeah um i've seen them used before very badly to where they try to control the Jenga tower. You know, they, they oh. like, I, I need the Jenga tower to last until right. three fourths of the way through the game. And then that's when it should fall. Right. And you can't do that. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. control. What you want is a stopwatch. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, there, there was, I won't name names, but there was a game where it basically like the, the city would collapse if, if these, if this Jenga tower would fall. Mm. Um, like what do you do if somebody bumps it or or you know right. somebody like sometimes the, it just happens to be a more yeah. unstable tower and you can't control that well that that is leads to a question i that i think is really interesting because there's the the running of the game where it's like mm-hmm. oh something happened i didn't expect how do we you know pivot how do we uh improvise as organizers yeah but as a designer like how do you design around the fact that someone could bump into that tower mm-hmm. like I, like how do you how do you then explain that to players in the moment in a way that it's like this has been accounted for mm-hmm. this isn't a mistake the game is not ruined yeah how do you how do you make players believe that through the design of the game yeah. right right uh the, i mean the first step i think is just not trying to control elements that you can't actually control mm-hmm. um especially like a jenga tower um obviously there's things that you know y- you could have problematic players or or even just players that are doing things that you know, are not in the spirit of the game and they don't realize it or something yeah. um, that could cause issues. Or uh, one one of the more popular May games is called Den of Wolves, which is basically Battlestar Galactica with the 
you know, serial numbers filed off, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, the the Galactica or the the Aegis, I think it is in the game. Um, there was one run of it that I was a part of that it got destroyed pretty early on. Oh. Mm. And what do you do? <laughs> How, what happens at that point? Um, and in a good mega game, like that's fun. Like you, like nobody should know what's going to happen. Yeah, you should yeah. be playing to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't actually remember what, I, I think it was a, like a Pegasus type of thing of like another Battlestar came in eventually that yeah. they were able to, uh. to utilize or something. Um, and, but, but like those types of things, like you need, you, you really have to design the mechanics to be able to be f- at least flexible enough that the moderators can use, utilize them during the game. Yeah. Um, and you can't really do that with a Jenga tower that happens to fall over. Right. Um, but you can with a, you know, a new battle star flying in. Um, I, I like to think of it as, is kind of like an escape hatch or, or I like to sprinkle in little things of like, I don't, uh, I don't intend to use this during a game, but if I have to, I will. Right. Um, and, and the fact that it's there allows me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a great example with that. Like it tends to be things like with economy or something um, that, it, you know, is going to be, it's going to blow up in some way or another mm-hmm. um, in the, the shucks uh, 2019 run. We had the shut up and sit down a couple of them basically stop by the game as kind of like VIPs or whatever. And um, one of my moderators just like, yeah, Mansa Musa, uh, who is this historical figure that is by some accounts might have still been the most rich, richest person who's ever existed. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, I don't know historically exactly, but he, as he's, he, as he traveled, he basically just ruined all of these economies as he went. Cause he had so much money that he would just <laughs> be paying out. And that's basically what happened with, with deep Haven is, um, one of my moderators handed uh, a bunch of these gold coins to to him. And uh, at the time, that amount of gold, that amount of, of coin was worth all of the entire Deep Haven economy at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and he was just like handing it out. And the, I remember the the look on the one of the players' faces that got this, like these gold coins. <laughs> and he, you could see in his face, like realizing how much money that was. <laughs> And he was the happiest <laughs> player ever, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, in some ways that ruined the, I mean, it definitely ruined the economy. It basically broke all of these uh, costs for things and stuff like that. But yeah. it was such a, f- you know, good story. And uh, some of the effects that happened because of that, um, I love, you know, and that, that's, that's why I play these is for things like that to happen. Um, and all we really had to do is, is just kind of, on the fly kind of change some of the costs or right inflation or, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> right like and uh if if you if you hard code too many of those types of things mm-hmm. then you can't roll with the punches so yeah. so a big thing is just having these little escape hatches that you can or rip cords or whatever you want to call them right, that right. available right you kind of have to commit to um uh, to being a central banker in a sense, <laughs> but not just for economies, but for mm-hmm. all the mechanics, right? Yeah. And you want you do want to not account for everything because you want players to find exploits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to trust yourself and your moderators to be able to deal with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. One other example, uh, there's a uh, a group called NSDM, National Security Decision Making, which is basically like these, these hardcore historical uh, peop- guys that, um, run these sort of mega game like things. I mean, they're they're you basically are are handed a badge with like who you are on the front, 
and some either secrets or, or things on the back. I have played that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's worth trying. Uh, That's a great description. <laughs> <laughs> it's a unique experience. I, I, I still do it every Gen Con just as kind of a traditional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I enjoy a lot of it uh, in certain ways. But anyway, where I was going with that is like they, um, I like to call it the consensus system, which I don't think they have named the, the idea. But um, if you want something to happen, you write it on a sheet of paper and then you have to get fellow players their signatures basically of mm-hmm. their of their roles. Yeah. Um, and so if you if you want to invade a, a country, like you have to get your military and your head of state or the, the people that would be involved in that decision to sign off on this this proposal. Mm. Um, and that's such a... Uh, an, an elegant way to do that, an elegant system of, of, because it does a couple of things. One, you have to get consensus and consensus is hard. Yeah, yeah. And it actually moderates a lot of things for you because if a player comes to you with this crazy idea, it's like, that's great. Uh, why don't you go get some of these other players to sign off on that? Right. And then they're off and that's gameplay, right? Like you just mm-hmm. sent them off to do these things. Yeah. And if everyone wants to wreck the game, yeah. then let them. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if someone has an idea that will write the game, you doesn't it doesn't have to be the moderators that tell them no. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's you're kind of you're acting as player and as character sometimes. Yep. For that. Mm. That's really interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that of one of the most memorable uh mega games I've played is um a Star Trek themed one, because that's my jam. Mm-hmm. And the the big thing with that one was this uh, hidden roles asymmetric gameplay. Hmm. So different groups. You had the Klingons, the Cardassians. Uh, my big problem in that one and my design credit is that I got to be the single Vorta. And so uh, no one was my friend. <laughs> it was not a fun experience. Right. Oops. But luckily as a designer, I got to like appreciate the game even though I was having no fun as a player. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was interesting about it was that everyone had different goals and no one knew what each other's goals were. And, you know, familiarity with the universe was helpful but not deterministic. Mm-hmm. And so... Is that something that is vital to this genre that everyone, the groups have sort of are slightly different or is it, are there mega games that are, it's important that everyone is just team A, team B, team C? Right. I mean, it sounds like the fact that some people knew uh, Star Trek is actually your problem, right? Like if people didn't know who Vorta was, like then it might not have been a problem that you were a Vorta, right? Oh yeah, no, this is very specific complaint that you're just setting you off on now, which is that it's... (laughs) It was a Star Trek game set pre-Dominion War. Right. And I was a Vorta coming to make contact mm-hmm. with the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. And everyone was like, I know your effing deal. Right. <laughs> that, right. Yeah. I'm not making a deal with you. Yeah. yeah. And there was no amount. It was all extra textual knowledge. Yeah. I was no. I mean, but again, that criticism aside, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a really great way to run it, especially te- and teams of different sizes. I thought was very cool as well. Mm-hmm. You had the Starfleet contingent. You had the engineers within Starfleet that were their own section, even though they had, they shared goals with another group. And then you had you know lots of Klingons, a couple of Romulans, and yeah, just one Vorta, and that was a mistake. But I did <laughs> like that idea of of having uh, groups on different t- size teams because when you're forming teams, um, uh, if you're not you know anchored to the cosplay you showed up in. Um, you can you can kind of like can suit your play style mm-hmm. a little bit as well. Um, is that common? Because um, the only uh, other games yeah, I played would, are like UN style games, right? I I would say yes. Yeah, I I think and and I definitely I, I enjoy making games that tend to be they they let players kind of change it up on the fly and kind yeah. of go where they want. Like I mean, Deep Haven is that to a fault where it's so freeform that players can do that. Um, 
other you know other mini games they do tend to be a little bit more rigid. It's like you're going to be stuck in this role, and I hope it's fun because you're, that's what you're going to be doing this entire time. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that that's that's fairly common to especially like you're saying that different team sizes. Um, you know, I would say almost all mega games have that some aspect of that of okay. like different you know starting conditions and different team sizes and things definitely different you know goals at the beginning of um you know the setup of the game is going to be drastically different from one player to another um yeah i i does that answer your question yeah well you mentioned the fluidity in deep haven where mm-hmm. you a player they can switch teams they can change their goals that's yeah. something that just because my experience is low enough that like i didn't imagine that was feasible yeah but, <laughs> but is, is that something you've seen uh vital to the success of a game or to maybe mm-hmm. keep some of the folks who might be stuck in something they didn't like and leave early is that is that does that help for that or is that not a consideration when you design around those sorts of things uh it's a consideration for me yep. um i i would Im- imagine that a lot of other designers are similar like they they have probably played in games where you know they've felt stuck or, or they've seen players feel stuck and you can try your darnest to make these smaller role specific role things be really great but maybe a player didn't know what to expect and they got into a situation where they got into that role without uh you know if if you end up doing a council game and you don't like talking to people you (laughs) know like that's Mm -hmm. gonna be hard (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. uh or maybe it'll be great to get out of your shell it'll be the best thing ever i mean i don't you know i don't know but yeah uh there are certain the more of these types of roles that you have that are specifically just this mechanic then the more of that you're setting yourself up for is like you know the players that that don't engage with that or they bounce off of something like um if you don't have ways to for them to you know have agency to go do something else yeah. then you're going to run into trouble yeah mm-hmm. So then I guess what it comes down to is what do, how do these games end? What's the win condition? Yeah. Is there a is there a timer? Is there a is it when the Jenga tower falls? <laughs> yeah. Is it when a team gets the goal uh, you know uh, uh, the goal that they're after? Mm-hmm. I mean like board games there's any millions of yeah. ways to end end one of these things. Yeah, I I would say for the most part they tend to be more like uh a role playing game or something like that in, in the sense that there's not a you know one team winning. Um, there's exceptions to that, but for the most part, like make it like, it's more about the, the stories you come away with and, yeah. and that there's often a, uh, a type of finale or something, right. um, that maybe the moderators are, you know, are helping coordinate, um, in something like watch the skies. It's like some last battle or some, um, last event that is happening that everyone is involved in. And maybe that ends up being a dice roll or some mechanic, you know, in deep Haven, it, it, the times that I've run it, it always tends to be um, the Jenga tower just because it's such a great way to do it. Some sort of competitive thing of like, <laughs> um, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, the, the first run, it was one player versus a bunch of players, like one player representing like kind of an evil fa- faction kind of thing. And then everyone else just representing, a, um, you know, Deep Haven as a, it's like as a city. Uh, and then other ones, it's a group of, players representing something in a, another group um and that can kind of change uh and finales like it, you know there's some debate on like do you need that mm-hmm. um although okay so there's a couple things that i'll touch on with that uh there's a concept called last turn madness <laughs> which <laughs> yes um which is 
we have these nukes. We've had the it's we've had these the whole time. Like, shouldn't we use these? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the no, Chekhov's yeah. gun kind of thing of like. Yeah. 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 It's I, like we, I could totally see a player being like, "All right, I sat through this whole game. Yeah. I played nice with everybody else. Yeah. But now it's the last turn. I'm going to pull the trigger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. And you know, often it can be fun and 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 crazy. You know, I think somebody stole the moon or something at one point. I don't even know logistically, but like some of the crazier things will happen at that point and that can be great. Sometimes you do have, you know, like uh, things where like one group will have, they've been spending all this time building something up and then another player will tear that down and that can be bad Mm -hmm. potentially. So there's kind of trade-offs to this. Last turn madness is going to happen regardless. Um, Although... A lot of May games, you don't necessarily know when the last turn is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and that is can be good and bad. I mean, it, a lot of players will, you'll announce the end and they'll be like, oh, thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> Woo, that was all right. Yeah. I um, mean, other players will be like, oh, all of my, you know, plans and like, I want to, yeah. I would play this all night, you know, like, and, and there's no pleasing all of them by yeah, any right. means. That's, I mean, that's also a board game problem. Yeah. 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 Um, well, plus, like, I don't know, you, I, if at four hours you'll feel anxious not knowing when it's supposed to end. Yeah. I think with most board games, you kind of have a general idea when a thing is going to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, if you don't know, if you've been doing this for four hours and it's yeah. unclear when it's going to mm-hmm. end, that can Yeah, be and four hours is, like, yeah. most mini games are, like, DBM six hours, and that's actually, some people think that's too short. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes wow. it's, I mean, because a lot of them are designed for these sort of Saturday games. Yeah, of, sure. Right. You know, it's what you're, you're doing today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah, and so they tend to be more like eight hours plus a debrief or something at the end. Right, right. Um, so, so is there? Um, do games tend to have like a, a make sure that that they do complete before the time runs out, or are there games that say like at eight o'clock that's when the game is over? Yeah, uh, definitely. Con- convention games like you you have to be done at a certain time. Yeah, and but there is wiggle room of of you want to do a debrief. So a debrief is like it it tends to be most mega games will have some amount of time that, I mean, the good ones, they'll let the players talk. Sometimes mega games, they'll, the, the moderators will summarize things, but yeah. that's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have opinions <laughs> on that. Opinions. Like, yeah, 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 like let the players have their moment up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but is that governed by like 30 minutes before we're kicked out? Or is that governed by like, okay, it's an hour before we're kicked out. Now we should think about ending the game, mm-hmm. either artificially or like making sure the conditions are in place for that. Yeah. Or or do players l- have a, a stopwatch countdown kind of thing? Uh, I I think it really just it kind of depends. I okay. mean, generally the the moderators they're they're the ones uh, deciding, you know, how much you know if some big thing is happening, they might let it go a little longer. Okay. And then there'll be less time to debrief, or we'll just go long if you can if you can go past the time. Sure. Um. Yeah. It kind of it kind of depends. It's definitely not. It's not like a board game where it's, um, you know, this is this is the moment that somebody has enough victory points and the game ends. Yeah. Um, although sometimes the players do that, you know, if if some big enough event happens, you know, everybody throws nukes all over the earth. It's like, <laughs> well, that you're either going to have to like start playing a different mega game or we're going to have to be done. Yeah, we rebuild yeah. society <laughs> or we call it a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, ugh, it's like... There's always there's so much to, to yeah. get into. Well, just like a mega game, you've only covered a seventieth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess the last thing that listeners will probably want to know is like if they want to play or design, yeah, or or help 
with one of these games, what's step one? How do yeah. we get involved? Yeah. Uh, so you could look up uh, the Mega Game Coalition. Uh, so that's a, a group that I'm a part of that, uh, again, we do um, mostly Gen Con games or other convention games, but it's made up of different groups around uh, mostly the US and we have some other um, international people. There's also a big international scene, especially uh, in the UK or a uh, big one in Australia. So the so Mega Game Assembly is another... Uh, they have a bunch of resources on there that um, both for existing games uh, and uh, a lot of design blogs and things like that. Um, they're a great, they, they have, you know, a couple of podcasts that they kind of point to, or they have a podcast themselves. Um, there's a, there's a lot out there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it was sort of weird as we were discussing early on in the episode, I was kind of thinking like, oh, this would be fun to get into, but like, it's hard to probably, but it sounds like that's not the case is that there's, I guess, because you're spending most of your year not doing it. So you probably <laughs> need to put that energy somewhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I, I'm in my free time, I'm working on uh, a new design for next, next uh, Gen Con, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, other groups they'll uh, there's actually a, a really active group in uh, Louisville, hmm. uh, hmm. which is Kentucky, right? Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> One of those places, um, oddly enough. So, so like you do have these groups in different areas that do regular games. Yeah. And yeah. And, and then if there's not, you know, you can just, you can start one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've definitely seen s- games run with, with smaller player counts. Yeah. What would be um, the minimum, you think, for to this to yeah. work as intended? Right. I would say, um, I, I, like, people usually say, like, 30 is kind of, like, the starting point. Like, I tend to think of it more as a 40 kind of thing, just mm-hmm. because there's, there is a certain amount that you have to hit to kind of get a lot of the the things that happen. Um, but I mean, you'll still have, you'll probably still have a good time sure. um, with, with smaller player counts. And, uh, and if you can't do that, then, you know, try to find a, a convention that, that maybe has them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like we're, you know, we're starting up a lot more, you know, post COVID. And so it's, there's going to be a lot more events happening yeah, around yeah. the country. And so cool. Yeah. Yes. Maybe good. we'll do one here in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. We're yeah. shadowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll put um, that information in the show notes as well as some of the stuff that you gave us ahead of time. Yeah. Um, some documents and information uh, for folks to take a peek at to get sort of a little bit more of a introduction to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, Trent, thanks for joining us. Yeah. yeah. This was a ton of fun. And I'm like just thinking like, I'm just like, I have 30 ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Here's yeah. my pitch. Time travel. Okay. Players make decisions. And then at some point, some faction rolls back the clock. Mm. And so everyone's secrets have been revealed. But now you got to go back to yesterday. Oh. Huh? Fascinating. That's cool. Like, oh. All right. <laughs> we'll talk later. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I just want to say, like, you, you're all so much nicer on the podcast. <laughs> You know, what like, does that mean? yeah, I thought we were friends. Outside yeah, of yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Mark, you're, you're you don't yell as much, and <laughs> and Steven, you're, like, you're not cussing all the time and stuff. Like, Ellen, I think you're probably about the same. I, like, but yeah, like, every no, I'm, I'm eternal. <laughs> yeah, thank well, you. We'll this talk is about great. That later. <laughs> okay. Turn the mics off for that one. Yeah. Lock the door. <laughs> Uh, Get Dale in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show. You can find Trenton online at the Mega Games Coalition and in the Nice Games Club Discord. For show notes, there are many. 
And additional links from today's conversation go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and content with unexpected endings. Reply on the various platforms or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, you can join Trenton at nicegames.club slash discord and chat about stuff like mega games. Next week, we'll be talking about my trip to the Serious Play Conference. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.